Okay, good morning, happy Saturday to everyone. You are, we are here, a business and legal talk with Leo and Claudine. Good morning, Good Claudine. morning, good, good morning. morning. Hey, and we got, hey, who, whose voice is that? Who's that? Who, hey, we have a guest on the show. Did I, I didn't, did I know about it? Who's this guy? Who's this guy? The one and only. Hey, so please, Claudine. Yeah, he snuck in on Saturday. We're we're here family. We grabbed the guy. He was sweeping the the hallways, and we grabbed him and pulled him in here. Just grabbed somebody from the street. Hey, so uh, welcome back to the show. Um, If you're a regular listener, you know that we are here all about uh, helping your business be profitable and sustainable. And um, we're, um, but we have a special show for you today. We're and going completely off the grid with we it. We are going off the grid. The, this is an this unscripted show. Unscripted, um, and it is a completely different topic, although it relates heavily to business. Right. Completely different topic, and, and being unscripted, I know, is a little scary for some of you, but we're going to make it. Yeah, and you know- this It's going to be great. It's good to be unscripted. I'm a, such a rake. I mean, it's the, I have, have an agenda for everything. I don't today. So right. I'm, I'm freaking out a little bit, but uh, you're going to get to see the, you know, the real me. Um, and tell us about our guest. So our guest today is Harpreet Singh. He is an associate in my office, and he is here with uh, you and m- myself as well to discuss um, an issue that we think really affects business owners, pr- primarily here in the Central Valley, and it's across the spectrum, no matter what industry. Um, and that issue is immigration. And oh. we, you know, the more I have learned from the both of you, the more intrigued I've become on the subject. Uh, We don't practice immigration law at our office, um, but the two of you have been through completely different um, Mm -hmm. immigration experiences. And um, the life of somebody who comes to the, this country and um, you know goes through the immigration process um, to to whatever extent to some some people go you know all the way through to citizenship and then there's a whole bunch of different categories in between um, and everybody has this really unique experience and um, the immigrants to this country provide such an incredible um, economic development and and generate just a tremendous energy for business. Um, and as I have listened to both of you over the time that I've gotten to know you, I have just heard things that just make me just in awe. Well, thank you. Hey, Harpreet, it's great to have you back on the show. Yes, he's a returning. Thank he's you. a repeat. Yes, I think is, our first repeat. Is that our first? <gasps> you are our first repeat. Oh, our there's first, a couple. There's a couple you, that might be upset about that. I know, but we're bringing, we're bringing we're bringing back the sexy, so we're bringing you back. There we go. Thank you. Thank so, you for um, providing me the opportunity. You're welcome. You know, this kind of came up last minute, and uh, this is why it's an unscripted show. This is what happens when you leave me in charge of topics. Yeah, I leave Claudine in charge. I walk away for two days, and I <laughs> come back right. to un- unscripted shows. <laughs> it's all right, but it's part what of the fun. What does that say about me? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, so, um, I think, you know, Claudine really encouraged me to just, you know, there's a, uh, there are things that I talk about on us you know, every Saturday and on a weekly basis that are somewhat detached, you know, business and, 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 and how to grow. And I usually hide, you know, behind the numbers and how to help a company grow. But rarely ever do I get to talk about me. And, you know, I'm married. I'm happily married. And in February, it will be 20 years Yay, since I married so awesome. Sandra, the love of my life. And um, and it's been a wonderful uh, time, you know. But I'm an immigrant, you know, yeah. I was mm-hmm. not born in the U.S. and this whole immigration thing. And you will have to be you would have to be living under a rock the last year to not notice. Right. Uh, you cannot. Yeah. Ju- you can't turn the TV or the radio on or t- flip a newspaper without reading something 
hearing something, watching something related mm. to immigration. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's really a very sensitive topic. And we're not going to go the political route no, no, today. No. That's not what we do. But I think it would, be, it would help you um, understand what this is uh, from a personal point of view and also what it matters to you if you're thinking about uh, using immigration as a way to grow your business, whether yes. you want to acquire great talent uh, from outside of the U.S. or you want to raise capital. Uh, you want to raise some funds uh, funds for your business. Uh, and one way of doing that, it's through uh, a very cool program called the EB-5. We, we'll talk about it in the later segments. Right. But for now, for me, is I am so grateful, guys, today to be here in the U.S., to be the most beautiful country in the world. And I say yeah. that uh, having born, been born in El Salvador. Uh, during the you know during the you know civil war years I you know I grew up during the civil war in El Salvador in the 80s if you were around at the time you know the, I remember him it was the guerrillas against mm -hmm. the, 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 the you know the, the army and 50,000 people lost their lives and I remember growing up and it's a, such a small country 50,000 is huge 50,000 when a country only has seven million people that, that's a lot it was a all of us lost somebody right and right. I lost relatives uh, one of my uncles got shot in the head. Um, I, you know, grew up, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't out of the ordinary for me to be going to school and walking. And then the prior night, there had been a confrontation between the left and the guerrillas and the, and the army, and there would be dead bodies on the street. Yet, you know, I'm, you know, basically there, no, right. no corner, no news It's just there right. because people were afraid to go on the street. And this is kind of the world I come from. Right. And, mm -hmm. and, uh, I was so fortunate that I, I you know, I, I would, cry myself to sleep as a 19 year old, hoping for a way out of the country. And it's not, you know, things that I've seen that no kids should see. Mm -hmm. um, and I, w I remember going to, you know, the local mall and, and, and tuning in to watching USA Network back in the 80s and watching US, US television and wanting to be here. Mm -hmm. And here I am now, but at the time it was nothing but a, f a faint dream that I had and I was able to get a Fulbright scholarship uh, back in the 80s. And I was able to legally immigrate to the US and I got my college education paid for. Um, and that dream started when I was nine years old. And the only thing that I got going, had going for me at the time was like my smarts. Right. I said, you know mm -hmm. what? The only way out of the country is through a scholarship. So I need to get the best grades. So from that point forward, I have this drive right. to mm -hmm. succeed because I am not an entitled person. I don't expect anybody to hand it over to me. I'm going to work harder than most people to get what I want. But that started as an immigrant, right. as a nine-year-old. So that's my story. And, and I came and, you know, I, I, I became a, I have a degree in business and, and, and financial analysis. And I always loved numbers. Now, it just it's fitting that I would be a CFO now having dealt with numbers for 25 years. Right. So how did you get, in, how did you get the knowledge of a Fulbright opportunity? So, because it's not the same now as it used yeah. to be. It's quite, quite the opposite. I think mm -hmm. we are sending a lot of our scholars from the U.S. out to other countries mm -hmm. to kind of study abroad. Yes. That's, it seems like that it's, it's changed more to become that. So, um, and of course, Harpreet, we want to hear Harpreet's story, yes. but you know, I think you know, we'll get to you. But uh, So one thing that happened, you know that there are defining moments in one's life. Right. You have moments, I'm sure, Harpreet and Claudine, that you go mm -hmm. back to, you know even what the temperature was like when something happened in your life. That was defining moment was when one of my teachers, I was a sophomore in high school and I was 
you know, had one of the highest GPAs. I was involved in everything you, because I was driven to get out of the country right. by, by for mm -hmm. survival. So he said to me, he says, look, I been studying and I have a couple of friends at the, at the US embassy and they told me about this program sponsored by the USAID, you know, the, the mm -hmm. United States Agency for International Development. I just heard word that there is a, a program where you can apply as a Salvadorian and go on a, a Fulbright scholarship to study in the US uh, for free. Um, uh, and I said, I, I, it, it sounds too good. I never heard of something like right. that. Mm -hmm. It sounds right. too good to be true. Right. If something is too good to be true, it must be yeah. false, right? right? <laughs> But you know what? It turned out to be a real thing. And the program had been going on, uh, the Central American Scholarship Program uh, had been going on for a couple of years because of what was happening in Central America at the time. So long story short, he planted that seed. That was the beginning of it. Uh, as a sophomore in high school, he said, I'm going to get the application. So you had to apply in your, in your, at the beginning of your senior year okay, because mm -hmm. you would be notified. It took a year-long process for you to be weeded out. So you had to have uh, not just the, the grades, you had to have the, the moral character, you had to have the ability, the leadership ability to be trained in the U.S. and to assimilate the culture and to be an asset back into your country at some point in time. And um, that's how it happened. That's awesome. That's I was great. chosen uh, to come, and um, I've been grateful ever since. And that, that was awesome. I remember the day. In fact, I even remember the day I flew into Miami, the first time out of the country ever, came to the U.S. on August 22nd, 1989. Really? Wow. You remember the day? I remember wow. the day. Because it tells you there are dates you don't forget. Right. Yeah. So um, that's my story, and, and I... Gosh, I, I feel like I was telling you when we were off the show that there is the reason I work harder than most people is because I am not here to be entitled. This country, re regardless of where you come in the political spectrum, it is the most beautiful country in terms of opportunity the world has ever seen. There are more opportunities created in the U.S. here than why do you think millions of people want to come here? Right. Do you yeah. think it's easier outside of the U.S.? No, it's not. And I can tell you that because I've been out of the U.S. and I've been in the U.S. and I like it here better. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so uh, and in the opportunities, I see opportunities when others don't. Right. Because I'm, I am grateful. If you were to really break it down to one word, how I feel about the U.S., it's gratitude. Wow. wow. Coming from an immigrant, I am grateful, notwithstanding the loss. Anyway, so we have to go to break. I, I know there's a lot. I want to hear her pre-stories. Yep, yep. You are listening to Business and Legal Talk with Leo Claudine. We are raw today. Yeah. We'll be Great. right back. <laughs> Great. To Business and Legal Talk with Leo and Claudine. No, this is not a dream. This is a real show. This is a real and one. And happy Saturday. And we're talking about immigration. And I just got down, you know, wiping off my tears. It's been very, you know, it, it's not not really, but I don't like talking about this. But I'm glad we did. And I'm glad we're talking about something that is really, really important for the world to know. It's 
not just the bad stuff about immigration, but what is good yes. about our yeah. current immigration system. So with that, I'd like to turn it over to Harpreet. Tell us about your story. Yeah, hi guys, it's Harpreet Singh. Uh, I think you have heard me probably in previous episode regarding talking about law, but today I will yep. be talk about my personal story uh, related to immigration. And my story is not that much interesting than the Leo story. Oh, stop it. Stop <laughs> so it. my story is somewhat strange. A uh, lot of stumbles, struggles. So, um, so while I filed my a petition for immigration based on family base petition and we will talk about more about different type of visas and things like that so uh, so when i got my visa i already have a job offer for as a software engineer really and um, so it was really very difficult decision to make at that point and my parents you pushed say me software engineer yes in in here in the US or in India uh, in India oh okay uh, with so a you're an attorney uh, wow. uh, with a US based company so <laughs> so it was a strange um, I think time to get a visa in right. mail and so so I was just thinking about it then my parents pushed me Okay, why not you just go there and just see how it looks like and and then you can just decide about that. And so so I decided to just come to US uh based on and and non-immigrant visa and uh, so as it was a family-based visa so we have to apply for different forms to just get the permanent residency and so while I was thinking about that and then my parents pushed me more okay why not you continue your further studies in US and then I thought okay let's do it but the main big problem I think uh, which especially I think with the other students you will um i think also relate to that is the student loans because if you are not a permanent resident you cannot apply for a federal aid uh, where federal government will i think subsidize your college uh, expenses so you have to take private student loan and those are really horrible and i was talking about 2008 the interest rate was around 11% right and so these are like very expensive loan and when you just come to us for at least first year you are not technically a resident so you have to pay uh, even if you are not coming as a student on a student visa you have to pay the foreign student fees which oh. are like three times really? more than in yes i didn't know that yeah it's it's so or intuition is uh, but still terrible. means right. i have decided to forward with my studies but there have been like lot of other technical issues because immigration system it's really very difficult system to go through uh application takes for years to to adjudicate and and even if there is a single i think uh disagreement with uh, DHS who is the Department of Homeland Security which is the bigger agency and they have uh, an agency who deals with uh, the visas and processing of that which is USCIS so if you have disagreement with them it then takes another years of time to go through the process and get your permanent residency so so we had some disagreements with uh, processing because at that time uh the regulations were not clear so uscis disagreed about the permanent residency status and then i have to go through the court system and unfortunately court system is another uh, horrible 
process you have to go through because you get the dates after every two years. And my dates was like rescheduled for two times. What? So I had to wait for like four years. Really? Wow. For just a simple thing because the regulations have been changed. So there was no disagreement between DHS and me to to get permanent residency, but we have to wait for that date. So, um, so you cannot e even imagine during that whole process, I completed my bachelor's with getting yeah. the private student loans. And still after that, I was just waiting for this whole process. And after getting the degree, I was thinking about opening a business. Right. Either it's a franchise, Subway, or some other franchise business. But the problem is that you cannot um, get those kind of businesses usually uh, without having permanent residency. You have to be a permanent resident. Yeah. Legal, uh, they call it an LPR, right? Yes. Legal permanent residency. Yeah. So there is also another angle which comes in, and I think you can relate the small business owner, and especially if you're an immigrant. Right. You cannot get a SBA loan without having a permanent resident status. Correct. And that's that's another uh, hurdle you have to pass. If you have a good business, existing business, you cannot buy it because you don't have that much capital to come right. up with whole cash. Right. So your life just stands in this way. You cannot open a business because obviously people don't have hundreds and thousands of dollars with them. Right. Um, so... So the practicing law, it just comes from the circumstances. I have never imagined I would be a lawyer. Really? Till at least 2010. That is, so that is, <laughs> that is amazing. So, I mean, when, when I first met Harpreet and I, when, when he interviewed for the position with our firm, when, when I, I was reading your resume, obviously, before you came in, but when I realized that he was a computer science yeah. major, prior to being in law school, I thought, well, that's really interesting. And because it's completely different worlds. Yeah. And computer science is a very successful world. And then you get a mm -hmm. degree in computer science. Yeah. Why leave it? Why come right. to the law? You know, that, because it's a very, it's a it's very, lucrative. very lucrative world that you yeah, can be career. in. Yeah. And um, so I didn't realize that that was what caused the switch from going from computers, computer yeah, science into, that, into that law. That was also like one of the main reasons because... I was thinking about to get into the business world, but uh, because of these situations, it's being difficult. And and later, um, I was also in the real estate because of my father's uh, profession, because he's a he have been working for as a business broker. So so then I thought to continue that, and because of uh, involvement in that, you just get frequent disputes about the contracts mm -hmm. and that have provided me a roadway and a different profession to think about mm. okay why not just try law because i'm much more interested to know about breach of contract stuff and what happens with that when people fight where they go <laughs> right. what and happens when people fight <laughs> what happens? Mm, let's see so they go to the courthouse <laughs> <laughs> when, when they are what uh, um Civilized, right? Yeah, right. when they are civilized, sure. So, um, so my story to come into law is just being built based on the circumstances and difficulty with the immigration process. And once I got my permanent residency in 2015, um, then I was somewhat relieved. Okay, now I have the stuff I need. Uh, then, still in my life, the law has already 
came into being and just i con- decided to continue with that because i was already in law school i right. began my law school in 2013 okay so then i decided to complete that and just thought i would just continue with business law real estate because that's my background and and never then thought about computer science so so you can think about how the immigration can change your life right. if you go through this difficult process mm. it just change your goals it just change your perspective to think about what you like to do because you cannot do certain things until you attain this particular okay. status so i have a question for you of everything that you've learned by going through the immigration process how does it have made you into the person that you are today what sets you apart from somebody who hasn't gone through that um i can say it has um maybe in some different way it has helped me in terms of being more thinking about documentation obviously <laughs> because there is a lot of stuff i used to review the regulations okay what's the problem in my case so, so you used to be your own attorney yes so you were you, oh wow uh, but i have not represented myself um uh, but sure means i was just looking all these documents okay what is this stuff why they disagree and then i knew there is like a small issue with regulation which was corrected by i think passing of new regulations with my visa so i think the best thing i can say i have learned about the system of governance uh, how it operates mm. when it is bad and when it is good right 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 <laughs> Right. Because system of governance is attached to everybody's life. You're applying for different thing with government and 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 you you can see when people disagree with you, the people who are sitting at some position and they just hold some line and how it affects your life. Right. It has affected probably I would be married maybe in 2013 right. Right. if I had a permanent residency there at right. that time. So it, it has affected also the marriage. Did, so season. did it did it put off your getting married? Yes. Oh wow. I didn't know that. So so you can see means how unwantingly maybe I can understand the people in DHS don't want that but still how it affects your whole life and it just changes your goals. So my story about immigration is somewhat weird <laughs> and somewhat struggling. but i think the one thing i can say about because i have looked like different systems uh, right. similar to leo so i think the best thing which which i can think about the us system in general it's about the security the feel of being secure because one of the most important thing a business owner needs is for the stability and security of a society right well, right yeah that boy if that's not a real key aspect of business. And one I think we probably take for granted to some large extent as business owners is is the stability. I mean, we we dealt with it a little bit in 2007, 8, mm-hmm. 9, 10. Yeah. Um when you know things got rather unstable, but I think that's probably besides the Great Depression the most unstable that we've dealt with, which is tremendously different than other countries. You know, I was thinking as you were talking about, mm-hmm. you know, I I said gratitude this one word that comes up to me. Mm-hmm. But there's another word that I really I see reflects as it ties out to business mm-hmm. is resilience. Right. Yeah. I think as an immigrant, you have to learn to become resilient and be to work harder, harder. 
not, you know, and I, you know, I don't like entitlements. I don't want mm -hmm. anything given to me. So the opposite of that, you have to go get it. You have get to it. advocate for yourself. You have to educate yourself and you have to want it more than the next person. And you have to work hard. So in some way that resilience helps in business. And so I had an interesting I, stat. I want to chime in just real quick and yeah. then we'll get to your stat. It seems to me now, not having ever mm -hmm. been through the um, this system, it seems to me that you pin a lot of hopes and dreams on it and um, failure's not an option. Yeah. Like yeah. You, you, you get started in the process and you don't get halfway through and go, you know, I think I'll just do something else. You, like you, you, you're yeah, committed. You to do it. Yeah, you're committed to completing <laughs> it. Failure, what, even yeah. if it takes an extra two years or three years or five years or, or whatever. Failure is, you know, that can be quoted. Failure is not an option. Not an option. If you are an immigrant and you got to provide for your family, right. you got to do it right, but you got to hang in there. And you got to plan for the long haul. This is a long game. Yeah. So I have an interesting stat. So while uh, according to a survey of business owners and the American Community Survey, this report finds that while immigrants make up, this is in 2017, by the way, immigrants make up 13% of the U.S. population in general, they make up 18% of all small business owners wow that's wow. that's a lot now immigrants okay so first generation immigrants okay first mm. generation because so there's such thing as a already you know if mm -hmm. like for instance my wife is of mexican descent okay uh she's third generation you know mexican-american mm -hmm. but her immigration or, or zero you know immigration zero which is the right. ones that i actually came being born in mexico came mm -hmm. in the 20s i would be i would be generation zero because mm -hmm. i immigrated my son, awesome. my kids are first generation, first generation being born Salvadorians, and then their kids will be second generation and so forth. So yeah, there's a distinction between those who are, and you can argue that aside from the, you know, however, you know, 13% of the US population, you know, we're talking about 45 million people that are immigrated into the US. That's a big amount. That's the population of all of Central America, by the way. 45 million. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, there's 45 million people between Belize and Panama. So how many people, or do, do either one of you have an idea of how many people go through the immigration system annually? Or are, oh. let's so, say, caught up in it annually? It's, uh, it's about, um, because if you talk about then uh, obviously I will not uh, go in more detail. There are about 200... 50,000 around, you get family visas, which are the immigrant visas. And if you add the employment-based visas on top of that, it's about 1 million. So every year, 1 million immigrants. That doesn't include the people asking for refugee status. Yeah, that doesn't include um, people. So, and the backlog in the U.S. immigration system. So I think I, heard, I read somewhere that we're about 900,000 thousand cases, cases that are backlog in immigration right now, courts that are actually sitting there waiting to be adjudicated yeah i think it's, it's such a huge system yeah. all right hey okay we'll come back stay tuned don't go anywhere business and legal talk with leo and claudine we'll be right back power talk am 
And Harpreet Singh is our guest today. We are yeah. having a really interesting conversation on the subject of immigration yep. and kind of the personal story behind it and, and really what folks go through um, trying to get through the process legally and trying to get here um, so that they can be a U.S. citizen, whether it be a permanent residence. And I know we're, we're going to get into that a little bit. Mm-hmm. There's a number of different classifications Um, and those different classifications come with different restrictions and different abilities once you are here so um, one of the things that we were talking about off air um, and I'll go back to you Harpreet is um, you know what happens when they reject you let's say you get through the entire process and then you're rejected then what um yeah, I think first of all, it's a very hard decision to grasp by an immigrant <laughs> if you get rejected. So, so it depends where is immigrant is located at that time. Right. Because if you are, uh, if the immigrant is located uh, outside U.S. and they are having an interview uh, in a uh, U.S. embassy. Uh, based on their either immigrant petition, non-immigrant petition. So, uh, first of all, they will provide you particular citation, why we are rejecting you. So, you can ask for reconsideration or there is administrative process which you can go through. Uh, But it is, especially if you are outside, it's really very frustrating because it takes a lot of time to go through because it just comes back to U.S., your files come back through the agency, USCIS, and then you go through administrative process. And and especially at this point, you cannot even, I think, think about the time frame which it will take to go through the appeals process. Right. So it's always good to be prepared, I think, whenever you have these kind of things. If you are in U.S., I think still you have to go through this appeal process. But the issue is that for some uh, immigrant visas, they just put you under deportation proceeding. They just provide you notice, okay, just go out within 30 days, and if you don't go out, then basically you're technically unlawful uh, resident. Right. And, and that you are you to a whole nother yeah. Whole then nother then there is whole lot of bars depending on how much time you have spent in U.S. as an unlawful resident, and it just bars you for five years, ten years. So, um, so it's a very horrible news you will get. Right. And then you have to just go through the uh, immigration court process, which is already backlogged. As Leo mentioned, it's about like 900,000 cases. cases that are in backlog. And, right now, yeah. and, and you will just get dates after every two years. And and it's, it's I think, a very, uh, uh, I think, hell, I can say. Um, so you should not be in that. But unfortunately, like many people are in that situation because of technicalities, different issues going on. And, and you have to think about they have families here. Right. And if you are especially running a business, how you, can, how you can think about growth of that business if you have this yeah. sword, I think, uh, hanging over your head and you don't know your future. Right. Because I have went through that process. I can understand that. Uh, you don't have any certainty about your future, what you will do, what you can do, and what's your progress in future. Yeah, there's <sighs> one thing, though, that, I think a lot of, um, we, I have been very fortunate that I was surrounded by people who were, I had the right advisors. Um, it is 
sad and it's hard when immigrants are not represented well. Um, they don't understand the language, um, and then and then panic sets in, and they say or do things that it hurts them for life. You know, like impersonating a U.S. citizen is a is a is an unforgivable sin. Really? And yeah, and I have you know I've you know watched the news and read stories, and I've known of people who have lied and uh, they're you know trying to get out of they had to go visit a family a relative a different country and they come back and they say hey you know at the border yeah i'm a u.s citizen and you're not or you can't vote if you are not a u.s citizen and people just make just fatal mistakes by not just being um being advised well so right. it's it's a hard bar i mean it's it's a great process but you have to hire the right people to help you to do it right because i think the immigration system uh, overall has done what it's supposed to be but you know because this is a business show how let's just i like to kind of take us in a different direction there's two things that i like us to talk about one is there are you know business owners looking for capital funding for their business right. and um, mm-hmm. and the other one is what if you actually can get you know there are some industries like software where you know get wonderful talent for from India or other countries in mm-hmm. Ukraine what do you need to do as a business owner if you want to immigrate somebody so maybe we can go down that route right? yeah and using um, using uh, labor from other countries we, we see that you know quite a bit and in fact you and I were dealing with with that Leo you and I a couple of weeks ago, um, a situation with a client who had used labor coming from other countries. Yes, tele- telecommuting. So, um, and, and what what right. what are the rules around that? So, all right. So, the, while it's fresh in my mind, this whole thing about I just came off a meeting um, <laughs> that where we're talking about raising funds, right? Raising capital for a business. The, did you know that if you're a business owner and here in the U.S., you can tap into a program that's called the EB five. Yeah. E as in Edward, B as in boy, dash five. You can look it up in Google. And it's a program that is designed to bring wealthy uh, um, immigrants that are basically able to uh, invest in a U.S.-based company mm-hmm. so long mm-hmm. as they generate X amount of jobs on a, on a rural or underdeveloped area that needs capital infusion foreigners or you know foreign nationals can participate in that program and be legally obtain a permanent residency and uh, you have to go through the whole you know the, the dhs gets involved but that is another avenue i've i've known of a de- developers you know it's really big in real estate development mm-hmm. uh, for a project in seattle that i heard raised a hundred million dollars all of it uh to actually uh to 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 build some hotels in seattle all of it raised by foreign national uh, EB-5 immigrant visas. So, and it's half a million dollars a piece. So if you're a foreign national in a different country, you know, China or Chile mm-hmm. or Argentina or even El Salvador, and if you have the financial wherewithal and want to immigrate to the U.S., there's a way to do it without having to cross the border illegally. You, 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 you basically participate in this program. It's just, you know, knowledge is power. You have right. to know that it's out mm-hmm. there. Now as a business owner, you know, there are multiple ways you could go raise capital for your business. You know, you can get a loan, right? It's traditional. And the SBA will give you these wonderful, great loans that banks will, you know, they're secured by the SBA. And, and you can do whatever you need to mm-hmm. for your business. You can actually raise capital from outside investors, you know, whether angels, venture capitalists and such, uh, or, or later stage in business, private equity. But you can also go as a business owner and raise capital from foreign nationals. And is, is there a, a, a floor? Uh, limit, meaning uh, a minimum. 
is half a million dollars. Is the minimum. Is the minimum. Okay. So, it, but you have and to work with immigration lawyers. Uh, and it's right? and it's increasing. It's I think recently. Is it, has it been revised been, already? Yeah, what I is it think now? it's in process because they have I think published the rules. It would be one million. Is that wow? Yeah. So that would be a significant. <laughs> significant. That, it would double the basically it will double the investment. But I I, yeah. I would suspect that there because of the incentive that that the the lender has to come to the U.S. that the uh, threshold for requirement to get the money might be a little lower. Well, it might be a little easier, okay. a little easier to tap into. Now you are biting mm-hmm. off a whole entire another set of problems because you have the whole immigration system. But with that said, but the money has to be at risk. Yeah. So, so here's the thing: what the U.S. what the U.S. wants is to raise capital. You know, but it, it's it's a way that the U.S. is using to 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 find to fund to to growth in the economy. Correct. Mm-hmm. Particularly the small business owners, those between zero and you know five hundred employees that the SBA considers small businesses, mm-hmm. right? Right. So that it's an avenue for you, but but for it to work, for you to gain immigration status, the money has to be at risk, meaning right. that you invest in a venture that may right. go belly up. Right, right. But as as, if, as you as the business owner here who may be looking at that as a uh, as an avenue as an avenue mm-hmm. for capital, right? Um, it seems to me that because of the incentive that the lender is going to be able to utilize that as a, a way for legal entry into the U.S., correct? They're a little bit maybe less regulated with the requirements to, to utilize that money as opposed to us going to, you know, just a, a, a bank lender here. Well, yes and no. Um, the, if you kind of come into that kind of money and if you made that kind of money, whether, whether you are in, yeah. in Mexico, in Mexico you, you are sophisticated. You are a sophisticated, what I might experience dealing with, they're very sophisticated investors. Sure. But they may mm-hmm. take a risk that a U.S. lender would not take. Correct. Well, their incentive is not so much making money on, right. the, on, the, on the venture. Mm-hmm. Right. They want to immigrate to the U.S. That's my basically point. buy your way into, into right. it. And it's a legal way of doing it. Right. And, right. And so, so mostly I think it also depends. Uh, there are other treaties which uh, U.S. had done with other countries like Australia, Canada. There is no minimum limit of 500000 or hundred or $1 million. These limits are only for some other countries which don't have treaties. Really? I didn't know that So part. if you want to buy a business of 200,000, you can get a visa on that. So to buy the business outright? Yes. Even oh, okay. if it's That's just on whole, the lease. I didn't know that part. So guys, we got two minutes. So, um, but this is an interesting that thing. It's really interesting. It's really interesting because- But you have to, I think, uh, think about one thing. If you are out of status, if suppose someone is already present and already in immigration court, unfortunately, they cannot use this route. Right, because if you're already tacked into the immigration system yeah. by going to some other way, uh, you're out. This you, is not you, a plan You cannot B. press reset and start over. It, this is for foreign nationals who are don't have any immigration issues with the yeah. U.S. They, they, you know, here's a wealthy family who has gr- grown up in... Mm-hmm. Um, Peru, right, mm-hmm. in South America, who things are getting hard there and they just want to do better for their family. So they look north to come to the U.S. and they, heard, they read about the problem, never been in an immigration system. For them, it's very, you know, they have to go, they have to have the capital, prove that they're actually how they came into the money. You know, there has to be some way of yeah. making sure that the money right. is legit. legit. Right. But if that is the case, they have to invest, and there are there are rules and regulations. You have to have the money at risk, as I said. You have to create jobs. 
right. in yeah. impoverished rural development areas. So you cannot just go to New York City and invest money there. You know, the business has to be in a, t- a tough place. You know, uh, that's that's why we have those government programs, you know, the hub zones, you mm-hmm. know, the, the set aside for, for government contractors, they, because you, they, the government incense you uh, to be in certain areas so you can t- get a, get loans, get advantage, because we want to have everyone have equal chance. Yeah. Um, and we want to make sure that the economy is well in all areas, not just in a pocket, you know. Can you imagine the U.S. only have 10 cities that are doing well and everybody else is not? It would really sink the economy. You have to spread the wealth. So those incentives are critical. But So that's one way. The other way is employment, right? Yes. Uh, there are rules about that, Um because I, I was involved in a situation that they had to bring, uh, we, we had to make a case for a software company to bring uh, software developers into the U.S. Mm-hmm. And anyway, so so that that's a whole thing that um, we, we're going to get into the next segment. For right now, um, any final thoughts on this? The whole uh, no, money? I just find it incredibly fascinating that that there, that there's a lending market. Yeah, yeah, within yeah. the immigration I, system. I think, and also this program, it's it's about business, and also you can have another projects. Are there your a developer of homes? You can also went through. So it's about the investment and how you can uh, create jobs. Create That's jobs. the main right. point of this whole program. Yep. Hey, so I hope you're enjoying this uh, whole take on immigration. Uh, stay tuned. We'll be right back. This has turned out to be a very exciting topic. I didn't think so at the time, but um, we've really gone a, a, I think debunking some of those myths that we were talking about uh, off the air. But um, so to finish my thought, for an, for a business to immigrate employees into their companies here in the US, you have to prove, the burden of proof is in the employer to show immigration that there was no qualified person to do that a specific job description here in the US. So the system is very tight. You have to have you have to jump through multiple hurdles as in a business owner to yeah. prove that the person that you're bringing, you couldn't you advertise for it, you look you look everywhere and you couldn't find that person. So when I hear somebody on the street who is not really following immigration and say, well, they're taking my job away. Taking, right. You know, you're not gonna immigrate somebody into the US to work at a McDonald's or, you know, to work at a Burger King or to be a waiter, and no disrespect to those industries, but it doesn't happen that way. I- immigration system does not allow it. So you have to create a position and you advert, you open it for 30 or however many days or weeks there mm-hmm. is. People have to apply, they have to be unqualified and the bar is so high that you have no choice but to go elsewhere. Right. And I think it's important to kind of make a distinction that the conversation that we're having today is really about the, the immigration system and, and people attempting to come through the system legally. Mm-hmm. And that, that yes. the other system or lack of system is really a Pandora's box that we're not mm-hmm. getting we're into. We're not getting into, no. no. So I think the main important thing, again, you have, I think, touch about it's that the system itself is built in such a way that 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 no one is taking someone else's job. Right. 
and there are also recently changes made about the minimum salaries because that's one of the point you can think about okay maybe the employer will not uh, think about to hire someone from here because of higher salaries right but the system has a requirement that there needs to be minimum salary i think now it's about $60,000 so that's really? that's uh, a, that's not a small amount right and uh, so so people coming through that process and also uh, nowadays because of everything is backlogged so it takes about 2 3 years of time to to just get that employee in place and employer get problems because you can understand how you can manage with 2 3 years of having no such specialized employees and also the employment-based system, it just allows people to come in who have special skills, who have higher degrees, either it's PhD or scientists from other countries, or if someone has some other artistic skills. Right. So, so you're not talking about people who are working at some other restaurants who are being immigrated to U.S. So these are people, we, the system is picking up people who have some special and some useful things which they can contribute to this country. Right. So, so I think we have to really think about uh, whenever we are thinking about immigration system and you have to go in deep because sometime in media, the things are so much in brief, they just miss the point sometime. And sure, our purpose at this show is not to talk about one policy or another, right. but to talk about the general system which have been going through over the years. And I think the next point, which I like to, I think, touch, and especially the small business owners, uh, which um, I think have to go through, especially if you are living in California, uh, now the employers uh, should not, I think, cooperate with or without any warrant should share information of employees. Right. So That's important. And, and, and I want to I kind of just... Um, touch on that, that it, employers in California are not allowed to turn over um, information on their employees who may or may not be um, I- I- immigrants or le- legal or non-legal or anything. You are not allowed to do that without a search warrant. Mm. So, um, yeah, it's... it's Good uh, to know. Uh, I think it's um, you can have different views about it and we will not just go into the political stuff. Um because it's it's more about that you need to protect your employee unless and until there is a search right. warrant or uh, something like that from DHS. So it just creates a confidence uh, uh, by the employees in their employer that my employer will only uh, work out in at least somewhat my interest and still legally comply if there is some legal warrant. Right. So still this thing is, I think, fight between federal and state is going on. And I think uh, you will just see within like two, three years what's the result on that. But for small business owner, you have to, I think, understand. And it's also, I think, more logical that uh, your employees should have faith in you that you will not turn over to them Once the employee provides you proper documentation and just fills the um, uh, the verification form, and it's not the employer's job right. to further verify. Once they just provide those documentation, right, and just 
being into the situation of harassing the employees because it just brings morale down of your whole organization. It's the job of the government to look that. And so I think you have to just make sure that you are doing that. And I think another point I want to touch, uh, it's somewhat historical point and, and it's related to immigrant and business. So there is a, um, I think, good history because in past, we have went through, I think, different discrimination practices, unfortunately, because the world was different at that time. Right. So either we are talking about 1960s when the yeah. immigration flow have been, I think, uh, went on because previously immigration was much more blocked for other countries. So in 1960s and 70s, when people just immigrated to U.S., the people were discriminated and you cannot get like usual jobs. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. So... Uh, so at that point, if you can imagine in, into that world, it would be difficult to support yourself without a job. So what you will do, you will just do a self-employment. You will just find some other contractor's work or, or, or survival. Some, yeah, means survival. So most of the immigrant, and at least I can talk about my community, the Indian community or Sikh community, they went to self-employment route because of the discrimination which was going on. So either they went to trucking industry, or real estate, or home building work, or, or those kind of the convenience store. Yeah, route, convenience right? store route because yeah. you cannot get the jobs, and now you have to support yourself. A lot of people are looking at you back home that you will get succeed. Right, that's another pressure mm. you have to feel if you don't yeah. succeed. Then you just I think. Um, uh, pound yourself and 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 you you just go into that depression route which no one wants to and i think everyone is looking for you that you will succeed so so you will another i think and the only option left is self employment and i think leo will also maybe can contribute some options or opinions on that like what what you have taught when when you have immigrated to us well yeah i i think <sighs> Well, we can go in a lot of ways in this conversation, but I think for me personally, mm -hmm. um, the U.S. is a country built on on a, on a bedrock of let's give everyone an opportunity to make the best that you can for yourself, right? Mm -hmm. a, a capitalistic society mm -hmm. in which you can make anything happen. This is truly the land of the free, and and, mm -hmm. and there's a freedom of thought and, and really founded on entrepreneurship. Yes. So when yeah. I came, you know, you become what you surround yourself with. Right. Yeah. If you hang out with great people, you're gonna become great. If you hang out with losers, you become one. Mm -hmm. But there's something about what's in the air, I'll say in the water supply here in the US that everywhere I turned when I came, I saw opportunities. And I don't know whether it's because they were absent when I was growing up mm -hmm. in El Salvador, or I saw them everywhere. And I think I was more in tune. I think as an immigrant myself, I was more in tune with Oh my gosh! Does that mean that I don't? My last name is irrelevant, you know. In in some right. uh, in some countries, like you, the minute you are born, you are in a caste system. Your last mm -hmm. name, you don't have these initials after. Your family doesn't come from this part of the country, and then uh, you're um, basically you you get shot in the leg before you know you you get shot in the foot before you even start. Yeah. I think here in the U.S. is true equal opportunity for you mm -hmm. to build something. So what I where I lean to is I wanted to start a business. Just because everywhere it's encouraged. Well, and it's the it's the alternative. 
Whereas if, if some people want to, you know, grow up and they want to work mm-hmm. for a company and, and that's just what they like to do and that's their comfort zone and, and I'm grateful for them. But there are other people who have the alternative mm-hmm. and they get the chance to have that. And, and if you are that entrepreneur spirit, you can't avoid it. I mean, it's like the color of your eyes. It yeah. is what it is. Yeah. I mean, right. you can you can go mm-hmm. try to go other routes all you want, but at the end of the day, you're going to keep coming back to this. Um, and and so I think that that that's kind of the unique thing. It's not we are not necessarily have to be employed by other people. We have that alternative where we and, can be but the employer. The, so there is to me the crux of the matter. You have choices, right? Mm-hmm. In most places around the world. You don't have a choice. Right. And, you know, I think we can talk about a lot of things, mm-hmm. but to me is you have a choice and there is opportunity. Now, what people choose to do with that opportunity, it's on them. Like the immigrant community is here. They, they Most of them, you know, I was. What's, yeah, they, they, we were talking 18%, about. 18%. We just read it, but there's one statistic that I did not read and you know I love numbers yeah, I right? love, so I know. We, we have our to life would not be complete without a without few statistics numbers please just don't let me down right so the same report that I read to you guys said that um, that there are uh, the report also concluded that firms that are half or more owned by immigrants account mm-hmm. for 14% of private sector employment and generated 776 billion dollars wow. with a B in receipts. And this is in 2007. Now, wow. add another 300 billion and probably a trillion, right, in mm-hmm. economic output directly correlated to businesses that are part where there are immigrants involved. Right. So that tells you that this produces good. You know, you increases the economic output, increases the gross domestic product. The country is better so long as we do it legally. So right. we're not proposing anything other than if you're going to come to the U.S., do it legally. And anyway, I hope you guys had some fun today. And it, I feel much better. I, you know, even though it was a structure, un- unstructured, but uh, thank we you for- We got to vent a little bit. Yeah, it's just, we, it was just free flowing. Thank you, Harpreet, for being on our show today. You You made it so much better. Claudine, as always, we have fun together. Yep. Hey, everybody, have a great week. See you next week. Talk to you later.